I have felt really constrained by the sort of news of the week kind of format. Like, I will be honest, I don't care about a lot of this stuff. <laughs> there should be yeah. a WWE themed nightclub. That, that is going awesome. in at Bellagio. I heard. Well, you know, they used to have the restaurant in Times Square. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> Between the, the both of your comments, my head just exploded. So they ha- so you have three separate brands there, and it's all the W at Farpoint Las Vegas, or whatever you want to call it. Probably not Farpoint, because then you'd have the Grapplers <laughs> okay, hanging out. They never did like a Grapplers Warn thing at the Star Trek experience, did they? That's that's why it's not there anymore. I'm sure. Yeah, that's I why. still I still don't know what a Grappler is. Neither do I. I don't know what you're talking about. Is this, <laughs> is this next so generation lost. stuff, or yeah, is this too? Uh, it's the guy in the in the uh, encounter with Farpoint. Okay. I don't, I don't even know that much about Star Trek. I just know that there's a Farpoint thing that happened at one point. Yeah. That was the that was the first episode of Next Generation. The first one. Yeah. Oh. Encounter at Farpoint. Cool. And which was distinguished by Captain Picard's surrendering like a half hour into it. They ran into... It's a bad look for him. Yeah, they ran into Q's... <laughs> just remember, they ran into Q's force field, and it was like, well, there's one thing to do. We surrender, and then uh, go to break. It's like, ugh. That wasn't... <laughs> yeah. Man, that fucking place looks amazing, and I want to go there now. Yeah. Carbone. So I think it's Carbone. That, so, so tell me what makes that different from another restaurant is it yeah totally well so or is it the food or is it the yeah service? well so i haven't eaten there so i can't speak for the yeah. food so i will tell you what how it's maybe captured my imagination and you know you can tell me i'm wrong and that i should just go <laughs> to the place down the street i think it's totally rational it's this is a male pattern italian steakhouse right it's very masculine in a lot of ways it's if you look at the outside, it doesn't look a hell of a lot different than like the steakhouse at Circus Circus. It's got the big wood paneling and the you know the nice doors and all this stuff. And you go inside, and the it's classy, it's elegant, it's modern, but it's playful. All this stuff at the same time, and they give you food. This food is bold. Uh, in this. This, of course, this review was submitted by a reader, Dorian, and he was the first customer. That was that was really amazing to me. Yeah, very amazing. He's the first guy. He had toured the restaurant the night before, and he was the first person to go in and eat. And how did he, he look that up? He was in town for Vimp. I don't know the exact details of how he he managed that. So uh, that will probably be worth posing him a question in, in the comments, and I will do that. Uh, but, you know, just the fact that he was the first guy, they showered them in champagne. He got a free uh, dinner plate, uh, a memento. They basically just cut off like little pieces of amuse-bouche of breads and salads and charcuterie and chunks of cheese. Just like, here you go. This is the These are the flavors of the evening. Where, whereas you go to Bouchon, you get a small tin of uh, a, a ramekin filled with pistachios. <laughs> Here you get you get this stuff, and you know it's the classic 
steakhouse style. They do this at Andiamo. They do this at other places. They make the salad for you. Here right. they make the desserts table side. Right. And they make the appetizers table side. And they do all this stuff with all the rigmarole and the, you know, the kibitzing and people making all the noise and the jokes and the this and the that. And they pour out this beautiful food. And, you know, homemade pasta, a $64 veal parmesan, which is preposterous. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, but it a looks lot of fucking bu- epic, though. I want it that. It comes with a bone and uh, like these candied basil leaves, hmm. dehydrated basil leaves. They they bring out. Uh, in, he he got an Irish coffee at at, uh, at the conclusion. What he thought was the conclusion of the meal, <laughs> and they brought out a cup of coffee and a snifter of Jameson's and cream for him to basically concoct his Irish coffee as he wishes. They have dessert carts. There's food coming in. They're lighting bananas on fire on the side <laughs> of the table. This big, ridiculous, like opulent and truly Vegas, over the top kind of Italian yummy home cooked meal. Now, I've eaten so it good. at Sirio, and I did not. I thought, did we go together? Yeah, we did. Yeah, and it was kind of a not. It was okay. It was okay. You know, but. Yeah. And that was within the first week of opening. It was yeah, the, right, the right. day after Ari had opened, and they didn't really knock it out of the park. And listen, I wasn't here. I didn't eat the food. I don't know what it tastes like. But looking at the pictures and hearing uh, Dorian's descriptions, how could you not? This is the Vegas Steakhouse experience. This is it. Da 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 da. Are you excited about the new Star Trek series that they're going to be doing on CBS? So it. So from what I've understood, it's going to be. You pay six dollars for the CBS yeah. digital. I yeah. mean, kind of. I, if I could just lump it in with net, you know, probably I'll just wait till right. the end of the season and go to Netflix, just because. Right. I don't know. I can't see me justifying my to my wife. Hey, let me spend an extra six bucks to watch Star Trek. Right. Which is weird. Which is a terrible attitude because it's probably something that'll give me a lot of joy. But if it was lumped in with another subscription service I already have, I'd probably be more excited about it. I can't, I can't figure out if it is on their digital thing because it's like, quote unquote, not good enough to be in prime time or because they're using it as a lever to get people to sign up for their digital thing. I is it going to be like a totally awesome series that they are going to use to get people to pay the six bucks? Or is it like going to be kind of a low rent kind of thing that they don't want to, pay any money to produce and so they're putting it on the other thing i think it could be like voyager which they used to launch upn which right. isn't around anymore so <laughs> probably not the best analogy but i think it'll be like that where it's gonna it might be the flagship of this thing yeah. but you know if you're using that brand and they've got so much invested in that brand and again this is the kind of thing i have to put the quotes around because it's very difficult to say it and look someone in the eye and say i feel i believe in the idea of a brand but you know they have what 50 years of i sound like a total tool equity in this brand <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 50 years of the, of the memories and the childhoods of people like me who grew up in it and you I wouldn't want it. They, there's a reason why they stopped making the show because they were just diluting it and diluting it. And they could have kept on pumping out next generation movies, but they really weren't getting anywhere with it. So I think they have to bring it back in spectacular fashion. I have no, I haven't been on the boards or anything, so I have no idea what the creative will be, whether it's set in the JJ Abrams verse or whether it's going to be in the original. I would, to me, there's absolutely no reason to put it in the original next generation Voyager 
Enterprise universe. Seems There's like just, it would make more sense to go off of the the more, more recent movies, but yeah. that's that's me speaking as a total Star Trek noob. That you know, I really like the two Abrams movies. I don't yeah, know if that makes me, me good or bad, but I like those two movies. They were good. Yeah, you know, so I, yeah, I think it's either got to be the adventures of of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in the Enterprise, which is what people would want to see, or just a new ship in that new continuity or even better yet screw the continuity just make a show <laughs> and it doesn't... i bet they do a new a new crew i would be really surprised if they use existing characters well, at they, least yeah. at least as their primary they may have some crossover things here and there but i would be surprised if they use the any kind of existing characters i bet they do a whole new crew takei will probably show up oh here yeah. and there here and he there too. i think he's yeah. got to will you know, wheaton will show up oh oh dear yeah <laughs> You know, I think CBS is is looking at their that all access app as their little Netflix. Yeah, yeah. that's their and, hope, but like come on, they're delusional. Yeah, and that this is like original content for their little Netflix. Yeah. So amidst, you know, episodes of I Dream of Genie and whatever other crap is on that app, as well as the survivors and the current shit they're going to throw in this star trek thing and the point is simple they want to get people to use that and they want to pickpocket a bunch of nerds it's like bally's thinking they could have a successful nightclub like it's just not going to happen exactly you know but it could so if you look at (laughs) if you look what the wwe's done okay so they've got so basically they're the last major wrestling promotion left they bought all the other ones they've got thousands of hours of old shows they launched the WWE network it's basically subscription based for 10 bucks a month you get the pay-per-view which used to cost $50 just for that so you get that you get access to all this stuff original programming and all that and i think they've got like 1.2 million subscribers so wow. yeah and that's people who are paying $10 a month to watch wrestling which you have at least five and the wwe puts out at least five hours of wrestling on tv you know cable tv a week anyway so on top of that people are paying ten dollars just to get all that content so i think they probably could work if they do it right for the benefit of the the people listening out in, in tv land um we have done this show for roughly 10,000 years and uh, it's been, I actually don't know how long it's been, but it feels like it's been a long time. It's been, a long um, time. It, it's been very rewarding. You know, we have been through uh, multiple variations of size and people on the show. At one point we were five and then four and then three. Um, it's, it's and changed. then two. Yeah, well, <laughs> for a little while. That was just a blip on the radar. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's changed. It's changed over time. It's gone up and down. But uh, I came to uh, my dear co-hosts uh, a little while ago, and I was like, yeah, you know, not so sure about this whole thing. I, um, I, I, was, I will be honest, I was getting bored with the whole thing and um, wasn't sure if it made sense to, to keep doing it. But um, we had to sit down and we said, Hey, you know, well, we might be bored of some of the uh, format stuff, but we love to talk. So can we figure something else out? 
I, I was I mean, for a long time the way that I would set up the show would be like, okay, uh, we're doing another show, so I'm gonna go through like what's been in the LRJ business section for the last three weeks. Like, I you know, there's some stuff in there that I think is interesting and I would love to talk about, and I've got a bunch of random stuff written down on a sheet here. A lot of it is Vegas related that I do think is interesting, but there's a lot of those stories that I don't care about. Like I will never again talk about a earnings call unless somebody like dies on it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Steve's Ah. a good, you told me, we talked about this at FIMF. You were like, Oh man, did you listen to the Steve call? So you got to admit it's going to happen. He's, he's sort of the exception that except, Oh, well, he doesn't prove anything. He's the exception to the rule, but, uh, in general, like, I, oh, great, Boyd reported earnings today. Like, I don't care. No. I, I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know See, that there are... I, Hunter, I think this is where we're going to disagree, because you know how passionate I am about this, and you know that I've just been <laughs> dying to do Vegas Gang Mark 5 million, the nonstop. It'll be a three-hour podcast of us just discussing EBITDA and RevPAR. Oh, God. Yeah. Can't well... Nothing about, nothing having to do anything about design nope. or customer experiences or anything like that. We're just going to talk EBITDA and RevPAR. I agree. I, right. Uh, Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. That, well, yeah. you're right. Yeah, that's, that's what we decided. We decided that that's what the show is going to be about 100% of the time. It's going to be uh, the EBITDA and RevPAR. Yeah. We're and changing it's, the name to the EBITDA gang. To, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's perfect timing since you got that gigantic iPad. I know, right? And hopefully it has really big buttons for the calculator so you can play like giant kids calculator on it and do all the numbers and stuff while you're talking, you know, like six. No, I'm pretty sure that Jim Murren has the big iPad and he's like, I now have big numbers. Wait, yeah. I've actually, hang on a second, guys. I have, I actually have that. I have one of those. Give me a second. You guys keep talking. I'll be right back. So right, cool. I can confidently say that the show is not about Evita and it's not about Dave plays the smart pad. Yes. Um, so hey, the, you, got, you got a new toy. I got a new toy. Fair, All balance fair, out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, for the folks that love the the, uh, the long running show, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is going to be probably different. I, we hope that you want to listen to us, um, but uh, we understand if you're upset. I guess. Uh, but you know, we'll refund you your money on the way out the door. I guess. I'm not really sure what else to say. We're, we we this the show has to be fun for us to do or else it's not worth doing. So that's uh, that's sort of the reality of it. Um, anything else you guys want to say on any of that? Well, it was fun before, but we want to find another type of fun. Yeah, totally. I think right. it'll be more fun. It'll be yeah. more yeah. spontaneous. All right. Um, one thing I, I do want to make sure that we say before we talk about anything else is thank you, because we have not talked to you, dear listeners, since uh, the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic 2015 edition, um, which I will go out on a limb to say was a huge fucking success. Yep. Um, it was incredibly fun. I want to I mean, we don't keep track of these things precisely but i'm pretty confident in saying that we've had our biggest uh our biggest crowd ever and the thing that was probably the most gratifying to me was not just that uh we had a big crowd for the main event which was great and was you know 
the best ever, but that we had big crowds for every event. Like it was crazy. We had big crowds for 9 a.m. whatever-ish and like tour and parades and going into like uh, steal stuff out of the Las Vegas club, uh, <laughs> you know, tour and that sort of, I mean, we had crowds for everything. We had a huge crowd for bingo, which like, yeah, we were not expecting. And I mean that completely, you know, literally like we were like, yeah, there might be, you know, a couple dozen people here. And the room was full. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, so I thank you guys so much. I Chuck, I'm sure, you know, feel free to chime in and, and, uh, color that up a little bit. You know, I, I think you, uh, you applied sauce to all the appropriate places and, uh, I will reiterate all that. You know, the amazing thing about the main event was, is even though we had a lot more people because of the way that Derek and his team had completely reconfigured the room, they took out all the tables and they brought in just these teeny weeny little cocktail tables and, you know, a couple of hundred more chairs that it, there was actually still room for us to grow in, in the showroom for future events. So that was, and if anybody noticed this, the second the main event was over, like they, pulled out half the chairs and then brought in the tables for their regular show. So we obviously packed that, that room last year. Uh, it was pretty much standing room only. There was probably like five or 10 spots here or there. Right. But, uh, this year it was comfortable and it was crowded and it was great just, just to see so many people and so many people. I have no clue who they are, you know, just, it's, uh, and everybody's smiling and having a great time. It was just uh, just so awesome to, to see that. Totally. I, th- I think a lot of that was because of all the hard work that you guys did. So thank you. Well, thank you. But uh, behalf of everybody who enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's a huge it's a huge effort by many people, right? There's no way that we could do any of this stuff without the folks at the D and the Golden Gate who really from Derek on down. I mean, they have embraced us and they worked hard to, uh, to make this whole thing work, even if they don't know that they're helping the cause. (laughs) But no, I mean, it was amazing. I, I, um, the, the, everybody was, everybody there seemed to have, be having a really great time. And, um, it was very gratifying to see that all work. And of course the, the folks at the D went above and beyond, right? So we're sitting yeah. outside watching motion graphics um, related Great. to our event on all of their different marquees, which this, I don't know, this might sound like a small thing to some people, but like it was, I it was pretty humbling for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we, we operate in the cracks of respect. I think all of us in this little corner of the, of the Vegas internet and, uh, to see us completely supported and loved and blared, blasted out all over Fremont Street and inside and out, uh, over the whatever four-story tall screens at the event center and all this other shit, uh, a dumb alien and a donut spaceship, you know, is just uh, kind of ridiculous. I also want to add uh, just specific shout-outs to... Uh, uh, Derek's Nicole and uh, Mike Palm at the D mm. who yep. 
He's basically the go-to guy who crushes everything and gets it done. And uh, David Rosborough also, who uh, just coordinated stuff and was just the guy at hand to make sure everything went great. All these people and all their co-workers and pals just made that weekend fantastic. So Totally. Derek's got a great team. And uh, they all seem to really enjoy working with him. Um, so it sounds like uh, they've got a good thing going over there. So we definitely got to benefit from it uh, a couple weeks ago. So very happy about it. Yep. Awesome. We'll just, Jim. I guess we should just say we'll yeah. be back next year, October. Still sorting out the date, but it'll probably be roughly the same weekend. Yep. So, yeah. Don't mess with don't mess with success, as they say. Yep. So uh, more to come on that, but uh, we're pretty excited about it. And for those folks that uh, say, "Yeah, I'll come next year," well, you know, this is your opportunity to uh, start putting that stuff together. I am always thrilled to see people that say, "Wow, you know, I came for the first time. I didn't know what to expect." Yep. And it was the best trip I've had in a long time. I mean that. I, that as Chuck will tell you, <laughs> Chuck will tell. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit sentimental here, but Chuck will tell you that like the thing I worry about, like wow, so like people are gonna come and they're not gonna have a good time, and like this is like their vacation time, and they spend all this money to come here, it's gonna be awful. Like we gotta make it awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm and not that I'm the only one that worries about that, but it, like it stresses me out. And so the absolute best thing that somebody can say is that they had a great time especially if it exceeded their expectations. I mean, that, that is kind of unbelievable. So makes me happy. Yep. This year exceeded my expectations. What was the, the, what's the Bellagio place that just opened that you guys went to the seafood? The Lago. Yeah. Lago. That place. Not interested. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, maybe it's awesome, but like, I don't know. I, I think part of it's like the decor was really off putting to me. I'm in the clubs. In, in spirit, perhaps. Yeah, but I mean, but, you know, it's, it's not... become a huge business, right? So your people are now all paying attention to what they're doing, and intrigue is yeah. saying, like, yeah, we're not doing DJs. Like, is this a, another cycle that we're seeing going away? It's, well, I think the trailblazer with this is Brooklyn Bowl, and they say, really? hey, they're doing this at Brooklyn Bowl and Link, well, maybe we can take it and shine it up a little bit and do it here. I think that's what it is. And I think the analogy is to the entertainment side. And if you look at the evolution of the shows where first you had the review, then the headliner gets bigger than every, you know, so the first shows in Vegas were basically vaudeville taken out of, you know, dusted off and taken out. So basically they took vaudeville right from God knows where and said, all right, we're going to have the dancing parakeets and the comedian and then a juggler and then the singer and then the dancing girls and then the dancing parakeets do an encore. And that was it. Then like, hey, the singer is actually Frank Sinatra. So we'll make the whole, whole show about him and just have a comedian come out and warm up the crowd for him. And then the dancers while the band is tuning up or whatever. So the headliner takes prominence. Then you have them say, well, geez, Frank Sinatra is really expensive. Liberace is really expensive. So what if we go back to a review show where we just have a bunch of dancing girls? And if one of them wants to hold out for more money, we just tell her you're fired Adios. <laughs> and the show goes on, you know, so that's 
prevalent for a while, you know, and the, and the iteration of that we're seeing now in its last days is Jubilee, which is pretty much the last one left. So we now have the return of the quote unquote residency. I had to put that in quotes. Don't ask. (laughs) It's the kind of thing that I can't say with an honest, I can't, it's like food and beverage concept. I can, the words can get out of my mouth. I, I, I can't look someone in the eye and say it and say like, I'm not bullshitting you by saying, well, okay, the person's performing here and it's a residency. So, so now we have the return to the residency. And I think this is the same thing for nightclubs where, yeah, the, if you look at it, it used to be lounges where they had, oh man, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Louis Prima. Right. People like that. Then that goes away and you get more into the DJ scene. And then that gets amplified a billion times on steroids. And that becomes the star of the show. And now maybe it's cycling in a different direction. And it's not like EDM is going to go away because that is a huge market and very well established. But I think this is going to provide an alternative. I don't really see the, the folks that win as trailblazers. Like, I feel like they are good at understanding markets, looking at them carefully, they're all about making lots of money. So they're not really about taking huge chances. Like they're more about like sticking out a market they know is profitable and then just being the best at it. Um, So if they're willing to do something different, I would I would assume that they have a lot of data or something else. They've got a lot of confidence that this is going to work. Yeah, but the lights are going to change. It's going to change color every 15 minutes. Uh, and, it's like, and, you know. And the people are going to change clothes. Yeah, right. And, switch. And, and the switch, walls baby. are going to come switch. down. And yeah. your cummerbund color is going to change on your well, waiter right? between that courses. Well. <laughs> um, speaking, since we're talking about Encore, um, I saw the, the photos of the uh, walls going up adjacent to Society Cafe. Which um, at least one comment suggested was going to become a party pit. Yeah. Really? Seriously? Like what? Seriously? Encore. The Encore Casino. The like stately, noble, awesome uh, plants and drapery. Awesome. Incredible casino. is going to have a fucking party pit. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you define as party pit. Because that same comment, it says it's going to be sunken. So it's a few steps below the casino. So this could be a pit in terms of <laughs> a, a real pit. pit. There not could a, literally not a, be a pit. Yeah. Not necessarily a casino party pit, like, you know, dancers on the tables kind of. Ah, deal. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So they literally mean pit, not a. Pit. Yeah. It'll be a, I'll, based on that. And just my imagination, I'll guess, you know, the, uh, the, Dining district, third floor, cosmopolitan, the couches hanging yeah, out, and right. the foosball hmm. table. That stuff, and which Monte Carlo ripped off and put outside of the U Show. Shamelessly. Restaurant, <laughs> shamelessly. Right. And uh, take those concepts of lazy space, add some bars and some chill out music, maybe, and, and a couple of table games and. There you go. You're going to get people sitting there hanging out, chilling, waiting to go into the club or taking a break from the club or hooking up and hanging out and that kind of thing. It sort of makes sense in a way. I mean, they have so many people there that are waiting to get into the beach club or surrender or if, the you know, when the poker room ends up over there, there's going to be another set of people waiting. 
it it is a sort of transition space, but man, I I, I think about the highbrow encore when it opened. That kind of that space is like directly adjacent to where Steve and Elaine sat on a little platform and talked about how awesome encore was going to be when it first opened that first night. Exactly. And now we have what we have. Yeah, a party pit with some couches, some spooge covered couches, <laughs> and yeah. uh, some cocktails but i imagine the poker since the poker room is going to go into society that uh that that those guys will spill over into that lounge area too because poker players do that you know yeah can't wait to hang out with those guys yeah yeah they're great here's here's my crazy crazy thought is maybe they put some kind of social gaming type thing in there think they'll experiment with that kind of thing i don't know i would if that's that would be a great place to do it if it's next or you know skill-based gaming whatever you want to call it you mean it. like like beer pong or something <laughs> not beer pong like the stuff that um so that kind of stuff so like, what is that i don't know i don't know what that is Gambling, this was, i kind of missed all that this was a really cool booth at g2e and they had a game that was like the game of risk but you could yep. play it for money and they had a game that was like Battleship with a, you know, but it was kind of cool though. And so I make it sound. I'm sorry. I can't imagine playing Battleship for money. Like, yeah, it's, you fucking hey, shot my Battleship. Give me a It's called bucks. Roulette. <laughs> yeah. No, it was cool. I liked it. And there's, there are some other games too that were, that were this one, some, I forget the name of the game, but I was playing it. And my comment was that this is really kind of, disconcerting to me because I'm actually have to, I have to use my brain and I can't just hit the button and have a conversation <laughs> with the person next to me. Yeah. So I'm like, this is, a, this is a whole, this is cool. I don't know if it's going to be successful because I'm actually using my brain to play this game and I can't just sit here and check my phone or talk to people. So yeah. like that kind of stuff, maybe don't know. I, I, that would oh. be, if you imagine that thing t- at its extreme, like e-gaming, e-sports, yeah. right? Where a video game is turned into a stadium-sized sporting event where people are watching people playing Legends of Warcraft or whatever it is. You know, it seems like you're going to get a whole group of people, nerds, obviously, mm-hmm. who are really into that game. And they just end up monopolizing this thing. They've got their quarters all the way across <laughs> to... Uh, to, to uh, Pull that right. one back. Call that Try one that back. Arc, those of us old enough. Right. Yeah. Good, you know. good times. I just watched War Games like two days ago. Oh, yes. That's yeah, a great movie. Love that movie. So then you're never going to get, you're constantly going to be playing against a shark. Yeah. So that's when you have to do the skill based thing. And just, to just like the poker room. Just how yeah. much I love War Games. Just there like was a War Games reference in Suburban Xanadu. I should go back and there find that. Is, I don't know if they, I don't know if they, uh, if Matthew Broderick made the index, but there's definitely a War Games <laughs> reference. And Love oh, it. if I, can I say something else that might be witty or might just be dumb? Sure. <laughs> so I thought of a, I thought of a great headline that if Chuck was going to write up the intrigue thing again, it would be, has Vegas reached peak oonts? <laughs> question mark, apostrophe, question mark. Maybe an apostrophe. That kind of <laughs> that concept just came to me. We we might have reached peak oons. Peak oons. Yes, yeah. I love it. it. Spinneth spilleth over. Yes, I love There's it. There's meniscus of oons. Yeah. Oh, well, how do you me. feel about Echelon then? 
Well, I feel like that was so so undone that it doesn't really count. Like that note was never clad with any exterior or anything. It's just concrete. To but me, doesn't the building... that work the opposite way though? Like if there, since there is a curtain glass on the outside, that it's kept out the elements. Well, so I, so I'm, I'm going a whole <laughs> level beyond this. Like I feel like the building starts to get its soul when it gets its, when it gets mm. clad, and like I feel like it's gotta. There's like a ghost in there that is that has to be killed. That you know, it's trapped. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. totally not rational, but I, I don't know. I feel weird about. It. He also complained about the seagulls dive bombing it or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> to who it's the not, head seagull? Like, who is he complaining to? <laughs> uh, to the to the people of Atlantic City. He yeah. said the seagulls are. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I will say, you occasionally get some winter gulls that are the size of a small dog, but mostly it's smaller ones. <laughs> I just imagine him on the roof, just yelling, "Damn you, Atlantic yeah. City people! Damn you, fucking seagulls!" Why did they accept my bid four times? <laughs> well, $33,000 I paid for this building. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those seagulls. Does it matter at all that uh, there's a W Las Vegas for the first time after 20 <laughs> false attempts? Does that matter well, at all? There, there will be. Yeah, I'll well, okay. When, that, when I see that W. I'm assuming it's going to happen, but like, yeah. does it matter at this point? I think it does. I think it does. Does it matter because it's a W itself, or does it matter because Starwood has put put uh, some money? They're put some money and some uh, oomph into the place. Yes, I think uh, because of that. So I, I guess think I'm, it'll make a difference. Okay, that's. I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, is it going to move the needle for SLS at all? I think so. I think so. There, you know. Th- rewards loyalty stuff people will take advantage of that i think i think you know i how much hard to tell but sls the name and the brand it it is worthless it means nothing to anybody right you know and the fact that uh uh fancher stockbridge guys they fell for it they basically fell for sam's dog and pony show they kicked in the money and they've paid for this whole thing and financed their way out of a mess with him they believed him that his brands were were really that 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 attractive and worthwhile and they're not but the w hotel is it does have that cash people have a list yeah and they have a huge list right you know starwood's wood there's hilton there's starwood and there's marriott and Five or ten other top tier chains. These guys, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I yeah, we'll see. What I I would do? Oh oh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. I would see. I would use this as the starting point. I would figure out a way to be able to get two other brands in there. Yeah. So three separate hotels, kind of like a a hospitality village kind of concept, three Mm -hmm. separate hotels under one umbrella. So it becomes the W at whatever. So I heard, uh, at Jimbo sold the Mirage. Is that true? Uh, there's two things I want to ask you guys about. One is, um, the at Jimbo Twitter account. Like I don't really understand what happened. So, um, my impression is that like there was a Twitter account, that existed that like 
was Jim, and then it vanished. I don't really understand why it went away or why it existed in the first place. Like, I don't really understand what happened with that story, because, Chuck, you reported on it, and I, I think I clicked on it when it was first there, and then, like, it went away, but I don't understand why. Like, why would it be there if it wasn't supposed to be there? So, like, explain this to me. Exactly. That really is kind of the point, right? So about a month ago or somewhere around there, they did a Periscope chat with Jim Murren. Did you guys watch it? No, No, that sounds pretty cool, though. Well, you know, obviously, right? I didn't watch it, but I thought, oh, well, okay, yeah, they're trying to do that thing. So my guess is that around that time, they made this Jim Murren Twitter account. And by they, I mean MGM. Uh because he's he's actually followed he's followed all of their properties uh his account is followed by all the MGM PR people who are on Twitter not Gordon but uh, everybody <laughs> else everybody else on down i think Gordon has uh, abandoned his t- tweeting gone uh, rogue <laughs> yep so so uh somebody in in the in the the reportage, the reporting, the repartee of the parking thing. Somebody <laughs> oh, tweeted the at thing. yeah. Oh, tweeted, I don't even have the parking thing on my list. I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. So in the in the in the 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 tweet storm post that like somebody tagged that account and VT. Hmm. That's how I found out about. It. I'm like, there's a Jimbo account because I I registered at Jim Murren, no right. underscore. Right. And and that shit got shut down like within a week before I had <laughs> had uh, fully gotten my shit together on on the parody and uh, so I went and saw it and it sat there for two days right and I'm, I kept looking at it and I'm researching well what should I do and this happens all the time I get the tip and I sit there and I look at it and I wait <laughs> and I wonder mm, what the hell's going on and then I wrote that post and then I I, I published it. And within 25 minutes of it being published, the, the avatar is gone, the background's gone, all the styling is gone, and he's become a goose egg. So, <laughs> so the account's still there. He's still following National Harbor, MGM Springfield, MGM Grand Atort, and 17 other of their properties and people. But uh, everything else about it has been completely de-jimboed. What the hell? This is exactly the deal, right? Like, if they created this thing to 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 have him have a thing, right? right? Which is normal these days. So uh, I show up and say, "Look, Jimmerin <laughs> has a Twitter account." Like they published it because they want it publicized. That's why you do it, right? So, look, here's Jimbo has a Twitter, just like Elon has a Twitter account. Whoever has a Twitter account, check right. it out. And people go and they follow it and they'll send questions and try and engage him. And of course, nobody's going right. to respond. I assume it would be like Tim Cook's Twitter account where he's like, hi, I'm here with customers. Like, look at this staged photo <laughs> of me in a store. Like, you, you know, would whatever. Think, you would think, right, that that would happen. Right? Real simple stuff. All these guys do it. Carl right. Icahn has a Twitter account. What? Yeah, he does. Donald Trump has a Twitter account. Exactly. <laughs> right? But no, MGM PR, obviously, once they read, because they read every single fucking word I write, because they love me so much. Once they, <laughs> once they got wind of this, they pulled the plug on the thing. Why? I don't get it. Mm. I don't get it either. It's because they have no idea what they're doing. They're a bunch of 
I, I think your theory is probably right. Like it was maybe an overzealous, like lower level person that like, oh, this is a good idea. And when it got semi-publicized, it went up the chain enough that they're like, wait, we never signed off on this. Yeah. And so they're like, kill it, kill it, yeah. kill it. Jimbo fires up his uh, Feedly or whatever it is that he's using, <laughs> and he sees I have a Twitter account because you know he reads VT every day, right? Hi, Jim. Of course he does. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> who? Why wouldn't he? Right? He's the daily topic of conversation. He's, he's famous for going into his competitors' casinos to research them, so of course he does. Of course he does. Right. So he sees this. He calls. Gordon or Alan or who's the other one? Yvonne. Uh, he's just yelling or, at people. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Boop. Can you get my Twitter account <laughs> deleted? And kapow, it's done. Um, the other part of that whole uh, initial rundown was uh, Ruffin, apparently. So the interesting thing about this is that uh, there was a persistent rumor um, that somebody was buying the Mirage. <laughs> our, our dear friend Scott at Vital Vegas was very very emphatic that the mirage was being sold and that we would all see um i don't know if this is what he was referring to but lva too Las yeah Vegas Advisor so there were or... people talking about how this was happening and like we would all find out sometime in the future um this at the same time uh the mgm folks were like nope 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 um but uh in the intervening intervening period we have learned two things one that the uh mirage is going to be part is going to become part of the uh, real estate investment trust that MGM is setting up, which would make it more difficult to be extricated. And Ruffin talks about the fact that he tried to buy the Mirage, and they said no. So I think this finally puts this whole thing to bed, and we don't have to make dumb jokes about it anymore, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, here's the, here's the amazing thing. Didn't he make $1 billion selling the Frontier? More than that. One and a quarter, I think. One point. So wouldn't it be amazing if he had been able to pull that deal off and buy the Mirage for like a hundred million more than he sold yeah. the new Frontier for? Crazy. I wonder how often they get offers like that. Well, offers like so, what? Like so, offers so or like Caesars real offers? For, like so Caesars. How often do you think Caesars gets offers for the Rio? Where somebody says, yeah, we're interested in buying this for $350 million. But Never. Kind of, uh, <laughs> a, can't, a real, yeah. A real offer, a serious offer that has yeah. like cash money behind it, or like a guy that's like, I'll give you 50 bucks. Like, <laughs> say both. <laughs> both. I'm so sure the, they uh, get a lot of like, you, dude, Dave, come on, yeah. hold on a second. This is, <laughs> the, the amount of crazy people that come into your office every week, are you, yes. killing, are you kidding me? I'm sure that they get a zillion crazy offers all the time. Real offers, though, that are willing to pay anything what it's actually worth, I'm sure it's significantly fewer. That's I want to talk about parking <laughs> because parking was a subject near and dear to one of yeah. the original hosts of the show, the never forgotten Jeff Simpson. Yeah. And Chuck, you had a huge scoop on parking um, that uh, got you TV offers that you declined. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so this, I believe you, you know more about it than I do, but the uh, scuttlebutt is that MGM is looking at charging for parking at their strip resorts, which uh, has it's sort of been like this thing where parking is always free. Um, and so this would be a pretty big shift, <laughs> though they're doing their arena and people are some people are wondering how they're going to handle all of the uh, all the people that are going to be parking and how it's going to impact the other resorts and whatever. 
And of course, MGM is always looking for ways to make money with their profit growth initiative, copyright trademark, registered trademark sign. And um, <laughs> so it's really interesting. And you uh, reported on this and it kind of exploded. People were like, what the fuck? So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> That's what, exactly what's, it. what's the story with this? Is this going to happen? I Well, I have no idea if it's going to happen. Uh, very credible sources that, that I have. Um, multiple ones who have knowledge of stuff like this. Uh, told me that they're very, very, very deep in doing the analysis and making the decision about charging for parking, self-parking at all of their properties in Las Vegas. All of them. If you stay in the hotel, you still have to pay. Do you know if it's just self-parking or if valet would also somehow be wrapped up into this? I would assume that valet, I don't know. I don't know the the specifics too much beyond that. Uh, But uh, I would assume that hotel valet would be reserved for hotel guests. Right. And there may be a surcharge for that. They might even charge more for valet at that point, unless you're a certified roller, you roll up in whatever, a car where they won't ask you any questions. You know? Oh, I know. But if you <laughs> if you get there in your you know in your Corolla, they're gonna make you pay the five bucks. If you show up in a you know in a Maybach, they'll just take your car and say thank you, sir. Right. So don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean, this is this. So of course, I had probably had the same reaction that most people did. Was like, fuck no. Yeah. Like I just I'm just so used to be able, being able to park for free and rolling up into whatever parking garage and part of it is like I usually drive to Las Vegas so I rely on this and I also like to go and check out a bunch of casinos so like there's been a lot of afternoons where I've driven from place to place to place. Yep. And so I'm like this would really be bad for me. <laughs> yeah. Um I I don't know. I I'm I'm curious maybe Dave what you think like as a local especially right if you're going to go hang out not maybe not hang out but even even if you're going to go to Bellagio let's say you got to do an interview with somebody or you got to do some research for a story or you're going to go have dinner like this seems like it would kind of suck for everyone but MGM it's definitely as a local I could say it's not going to incentivize me to visit having to pay for parking you know on the other hand when I went down to the D for Vimp I paid for parking right so yeah is it the kind of thing where I can I say yes? I will absolutely not go to a casino if I have to pay for parking. Well, no, because I've been doing that to go visit uh, Derek there. So it's kind of it's it's really hard to say. And I was thinking about this too. I was thinking, well, they can waive parking for the hotel guests, but here's the deal with that. So you're telling me if I'm paying, I don't know what's the what's the rack rate at Excalibur? Depends, 80, yeah. So if I'm paying 80 bucks a night, I get to park for free. But the person who's spending $750 on a ringside seat for the fight has to pay for parking. Yep. Seems so right. if you let one class of patron do it for free, then you have to let everybody do it for free, in which case you're paying extra money just to give out tickets that are going to get validated and why it ends right. up being a, a sinkhole for you, I think. So right. I don't know. You know, it's the kind of thing that I guess the decision would not be made lightly. 
Of like, it. I have no idea how how they would arrive at it, but you know, I would think it wouldn't be made lightly. As as Tim Hundy said on the Tim Hundy cast, <laughs> um, you know, if they do it, Caesars is going to do it immediately because they won't have a choice because the yeah. supply and demand is going to be so off offset. The balance is going to be so out of whack. People are going to be like, "Well, I'm not going to pay to park at Bellagio. I'm just going to go park at Caesars for free." Well, that's not going to work. Yeah. So that's going to it's basically going to be if they do it everyone's going to have to do something along the same lines. Which would suck. Yeah. Just think about that. You know? If the how would they handle in and outs if you're a hotel guest or or for whatever reason if you have to come in and out. No. You know, you want to you want to leave to go go to the fight that's down the street even at an MGM property you're going right. to go from your room at Circus Circus where you're paying five bucks, you're going to have to go to Excalibur and pay five bucks and then go back to go back to your room at Circus Circus and pay five bucks again. And then if you have to, to meet somebody somewhere else, you're going to pay five bucks there. If you want to go downtown, you're going to pay five bucks there. So by the end of the day, if you've made four stops, you know, they, that's they that. It adds up. The counterpoint, though, of course, is like if you go to San Francisco or New York City or Los Angeles or fucking Cleveland. I've never been to Cleveland, but I assume they have parking there, too. Um, You know, you pay for parking everywhere you go. It's just the way it is. And you suck it up. It's not the same kind of town, though. That's Jim Mern's argument. Yeah, it's not really the same. (laughs) And all you bastards need to get some art, you bastards. Yeah. Each uh, one of these I, buildings are their own. You know, listen, well, hey, well, how about this? Dave, you're from Atlantic City. You, <laughs> remember, you remember when they added pay parking. Yeah. And that changed things. Yeah, and certainly it didn't help the city, especially when I know Anthony in one of the comments was saying how he pay, had to pay, I think they wanted $15 or 20 bucks, yeah. which they do whenever there's a convention in town, they'll jack it up even higher, which is what they do. I heard, they, I forget what the show was, but they had some show on the beach and, oh, it's great and great vibes, Atlantic City is back. And I think people were paying like $20 to park, you know, and just the thought process behind that boggles my mind like okay we spent money to get a special event here to get people to come back let's gouge them for parking before they even get out of their car it's that's but that that is the atlantic city mindset and that's why atlantic city is now a two and a half billion dollar a year gaming market and not a five billion dollar a year gaming market do you do you actually so i don't i'm not sure if you're trying to say that you think this could have that big of an impact on it. But do you really think that this is a watershed moment? No, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to say it's because what did the impact of paid parking and downtown do? probably because they brought it in before any of us were alive. We don't really care about it. Right. So if we're looking at it, you know, 20 years from now, is that going to be a big deal or are people going to say, wow, these people back then were, seeing the fountains of Bellagio and everything and all these other wonders and they were complaining about parking. Right. So it's really hard to say how how that's going to go. You know, certainly you know nobody wants to pay more for something they've been getting for free. And I sure. think it goes back to that, which is well if you've been giving something away for free, there it is. If if a new place opened and they said we our policy is we're going to charge for parking, that would be kind of different. 
the lead was saying how impressed you were with these people. So what the hell are you talking about? These are true heroes. And I don't say that lightly at all. You know, these are the men. They're Nisei, second generation Japanese immigrants. The mainlanders in 1942 got put into internment camps and basically were given two weeks to say, okay, get your shit together. You are going to a camp, you know, at a racetrack or someplace in Arkansas, and you're just going to stay there for however long we think you need to stay there. They volunteered to fight for the United States Army, even though their families were in camps and faced tremendous risks. And I, so I talked to Lawson Sakai, who was the guy who organized this reunion of the 442nd Regimental Combat Team and the 100th and the Military Intelligence Service. And I said, well, why did you do it? You know, if you're getting put in these camps, why did you do it? And he said, because we wanted to show them who the real Americans were. And that was us. We were, we were the real Americans, not them. And it's just really incredible. And Mr. Sakai has four Purple Hearts. Somebody wow. was, was telling me that he refused a fifth because it wasn't a major enough injury. Wow. And just, yeah, I just was, so I, it was kind of, it was a kind of thing where I spent 45 minutes talking to him and I left and I just, I, I'll t honestly, I just broke down in tears. Just like, oh my God, this is such an incredible story. And I'm so lucky to, to listen to this man. And ironically, the way the whole thing came about is I had just done my class in World War II the previous week with my History 102 class and was talking about the 442nd. And I'm walking around the California and I see a sign, little, you know, photocopy sign saying, you know, 442nd reunion is here. I'm like, huh. what? And I look down, there's something about the Nisei. I'm like, wait, what? And I called the Boyd PR people and they, I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, I hear you've got this group there and I'd love to talk to them. And they actually, said that sounds really good and facilitated the interview. So oh. it was really cool, you know, cause you don't, a lot of times when you're dealing with the big corporate mentality, you don't get that. It's like, right. yeah, no, not our deal. Don't worry. But they're, they really went above and beyond. So David Strau and Ashlyn Manos are two of the folks who I dealt with. And there's a couple others, but those are the two I wanted to say really went above and beyond. And it's to their, to their credit and the company's credit that they did. And so you know, it's as I described in the article, just hanging out in this hospitality suite in the Cal and a bunch of unassuming older Asian American gentlemen. And you realize that these guys were some of the bravest combat veterans of World War II. And their unit was the most heavily decorated one. I think something like 22 medals of honor. Wow. Most of them posthumous. <laughs> so, and actually, if you, if you live in LA, the, uh, 105, 405 interchange, the Sadao Munamori interchange mm -hmm. is named for one. I think he was in the hundredth. I don't know if he was in the 442nd, but if you just Google that, look up the story of how he got his Medal of Honor, it's pretty incredible. Again, it's the kind of thing that will bring tears to your eyes. You know, if you just realize the sacrifices that, that he made, I think at the age of 20 or 22. So the, it was just a really, like, just a wonderful experience. And it got me thinking about what the fuck are we all doing here? Yeah. What's the purpose of Vegas? Yeah. You know, is it to drive shareholder value? Is it to create tax revenues for the state? So 
we don't have to pay income tax? You know, is it even to create jobs? And I'm thinking at the core of it, no, it's to let people like Mr. Sakai and the, the Nisei veterans and their families and friends have a place to get together and let people make those connections. So the, to me, that's, that, that's what I took away from it. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that reflection. And this is appropriate given uh, we, we are recording this on the 12th of November. Yesterday yeah. was, was Veterans Day here in the United States. So um, another good opportunity to say thank you to everybody that uh, has served or is serving in our armed forces. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that occurred to me was how there's so many great stories like that and so many great groups of people coming together in Vegas all the time. So you're in your hotel having fun and there's really significant things happening all around you. Yeah. Never know. That's pretty Which cool. Is, well, it's just really neat to me. Yeah. Like I'm, these, the, these guys are just in this small hospitality suite in the cow. It's so funny. Right. To me. No, it's, it's so serendipitous, right? The fact that you ended up finding yeah. them there and, and, and right. Literally the week story. before, the week before I was like, yeah, these guys are really heroic and did all kinds of neat things. And, and then the week later, I'm talking to them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm glad that you were able to write about it. That, that sounds Great. like a pretty cool story. Me too. 